Hi, welcome back. This is part two of the episode with Emma Green. We never actually got onto the topic that we were going to talk about because her recovery story was just so fascinating and she had so many insights and so much wisdom to share with us. So today I'm going to be talking to her about being vegan in recovery, what it was like for her and also then like comparing, contrasting with my story also of being vegan during recovery and I hope you really take something away from this episode and start to be curious if you are vegan, you're thinking about being vegan, what are your reasons for doing it and is this a positive or maybe a detrimental thing during your recovery and obviously there's no rights or wrongs but it's good to be curious about this I think so thanks for joining us again today still but I guess we'll I realized I think I said to you on the email that we didn't get from you were seeing a therapist to now you're working as a coach and intuitive eating and sort of when did that come into your life yeah um so I guess um it it was over a sort of period of several years um that I sort of went kind of went through uh recovery it was about probably five or six years in in total um and it, I did see um several different therapists which was um a combination of uh moving from um uh Birmingham back to to London after I I finished my degree um and also with um being placed on an uh waiting list um for um, NHS treatment so I saw some kind of uh, private therapists in the in the interim um and yeah it was it was interesting actually I was um studying uh, at the same time so I was uh, doing my master's at, at the time um and um became quite interested in um approaches to um, health and sort of particularly around health behavior change um, and it was interesting because um, there was well as it still is a lot of kind of focus um, around kind of like weight loss and particularly you know quote unquote the kind of obesity epidemic and um, I had sort of lecturers that were kind of recommending behaviors that were kind of things that I was working on like in my own recovery Um, let me just jump in that is so interesting because I feel like it was kind of a flip for me in that actually doing my master's in health psychology was like a factor in me developing an eating disorder oh that's so So interesting. interesting that they were promoting those and then I was like oh yeah I'll do all those things and then obviously it's not the only thing um, that fed into me having an eating disorder but it was one of the things. I can completely understand that because there were a lot of a lot of things that I mean one of the things I remember like was um, around like daily weighing and there was a lecturer that was really um, enthusiastic about about that and uh, so there were definitely things that and I remember just thinking hmm this is this is sort of odd that 
that these are all the things I'm working around sort of not not doing um, and kind of you know being more flexible around food and essentially what was being recommended was you know eating the same foods a lot of the time you know monitoring calories monitoring weight and all those things so I can completely understand that um you know if you're in a vulnerable position that actually that could be um really triggering I think some of it some of it as well as that to make a psychology study on the psychology of eating it's easier just to say this is an example of a good food this is an example of like a bad unhealthy food and so I was reading these papers and thinking oh these are things that I need to cut out now because obviously if you eat certain things to excess then it's probably not good for you but most people I wasn't eating them to excess anyway but I just thought I can't have them all yeah absolutely and I mean the kind of um I suppose counterintuitive thing is that you know I'm sure you you find with clients as well is that if you have a lot of rules and restrictions around foods actually you're a a lot more likely to subsequently eat them in large amounts because you're feeling really deprived you know whereas if you allow yourself to enjoy you know a range of foods you're you know much more able to kind of gravitate to having a balance of all different kinds of foods you know including the sort of you know unhealthy you know quote-unquote ones and, and sort of healthier ones um yeah it's it was good that you could sort of be aware of that at the time though rather than it do you think it did feed into making any eating disorder symptoms worse or you were quite aware that oh this is really strange discrepancy yeah I think I was really aware of the discrepancy and I think at that time I felt like I had really committed to to recovery um but and I think that was it 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 definitely piqued my interest in potentially wanting to kind of work work with people in in some kind of um capacity initially I was thinking that would be in a kind of research um setting rather than a sort of direct um way but but was quite interested in I guess being on the the other side of things because I suppose I thought about ways that I might do things a bit differently um or explore different kinds of approaches from from what I was hearing about um yeah, I mean, hence doing my PhD, really. <laughs> that was the idea that I was going to kind of go into academia. Um, and so um, sort of did that. And it was interesting, actually, I sort of um, started my PhD, I would say, just around the time that I would say I was kind of fully recovered. Um, and I remember it being a feeling like it was quite a big test because I knew that it was going to be really really difficult um it was going to go on for a lot of years and I'd not ever um studied before without kind of having my um you know eating disorder um as a kind of backdrop um so yeah but I, I mean it was you know and I I during my PhD I didn't um I didn't struggle with um you know, with anything, although there were certainly times when it was stressful, I felt like I'd developed a range of kind of coping skills to to deal with things. And um, I think that was actually really helpful in cementing my recovery and kind of showing me that I could do something that was really difficult, um, took up a lot of my time and was still OK, you know, um, so I think that gave me a lot of confidence in, yeah, not that, you know, um, I wouldn't ever have 
times when I might feel I don't know negatively about my body or or, or something like that but uh just that I I no longer felt that I needed to rely on kind of any sort of disordered eating or exercise behaviors um in order to you know um deal with sort of stressful stressful events yeah and I think being realistic as well I think there's times that everyone maybe doesn't feel great mm. about their body but you like you say it's sort of being okay enough with that to not have to then do something about it in inverted commas and like yeah the disordered behaviors because of that absolutely because that's the thing there are kind of you know triggers of everywhere there's a lot of you know pressure to you know look a certain way um and you know it would be lovely if if that wasn't the case but that isn't going to go away anytime soon so you know we do have to all learn to kind of live within that as it as it does exist well also you know hopefully um working towards changing that over over the long term yeah I think your Instagram as well is very geared to like sort of working towards changing that oh I think you yeah I feel I, like you're quite vocal on yeah. it <laughs> yeah well I've, I've become um I guess a lot a lot more vocal um I think um and I guess Burma in you know I sort of refer to myself as sort of anti-diet which you know means that I you know um offer kind of people um working towards kind of improved health and and particularly you know sort of working on sort of fitness as, as a part of that but um you know don't subscribe to sort of a focus on kind of weight loss or sort of diets or or counting calories and and macros um just because uh, you know based on what I sort of read in the literature really that that isn't sort of sustainable for you know the vast majority of people obviously it can lead to you know disordered eating or or eating disorders in some cases you know it does raise your risk of that um you know and so uh, and just anecdotally you know I've I've uh, you know with with being in the fitness industry I um trained as a personal trainer about three or four years ago as well um and I've just seen you see a lot of disordered eating um and quite obsessive exercise in in the fitness industry um and I think I've realized that that is very damaging and in a way is you know is kind of the same as you know it's very similar to kind of what you what you see in kind of people with eating disorders these people may not have necessarily a diagnosed condition but the behaviors even though they're sort of under the guise of sort of you know health or or fitness can you know be be very harmful you know and even the people you know some of the people that are actually you know coaches and trainers and and things like that you know I've, I've seen some you know some really worrying things I remember I went on one of these um a bit like a sort of you know fitness kind of retreat thing um would have been a few years ago now and there was um someone there who was a, a sort of coach and he did kind of you know sort of macros kind of coaching and we were in a restaurant and the food arrived and he'd brought a food scale with him and he oh, really yeah he brought a, like a mini food scale and he took it out and he um like weighed every single individual item on his plate I think he had like meat and then some vegetables and then potatoes and and I was really shocked and he was 
this was a normal thing for him to do. He he wasn't, you know, competing in a bodybuilding show. He wasn't preparing for anything. I mean, again, I think both of those can also, you know, be be potentially um, harmful. But but this was just a normal sort of behaviour for him to do. And I just I saw a few things like that where I felt like, oh, actually, I I think this isn't a healthy way to be relating to to food, really. Um, yeah and I think when I think about things like that it's thinking okay let's <laughs> this might not be true but thinking if he didn't do it that probably would have caused a lot of anxiety yeah for him it sounds like that he had to do this and so for me yeah that behavior probably is tipping over into disordered eating maybe if you want to waste stuff at home I mean I guess with our backgrounds um for us like for me it wouldn't be a nice thing for me to have to weigh everything but I know some people um like one of my friends is pretty just quite neutral about food if she was weighing stuff wouldn't really bother her in the same way and so okay great some people want to do that but I think it's when that anxiety piece comes into it as well that you're sort of on tricky ground maybe yeah absolutely and I and I think that's the thing there are some of these behaviors that actually some people are going to be fine with you know um I mean it's like when you know sort of hear the expression kind of like diets don't work and it's true they don't work for the vast majority of people long term but there will always be that you know five to ten you know maybe even 15 percent of people that it does work for you know so so it's certainly not you know and why I wouldn't advocate it personally um you know because of the potential for harm there are definitely people who can do these kinds of things but um it might not affect them I think the, the trouble I have with it is that I don't think you can't really tell if you have a, a predisposition to developing an eating disorder and you won't find that out until you engage in these behaviors and then you know it, it can be too late you know you don't I know there are these you know various kind of genetic tests and things but they're not really at the stage where they can give you a heads up that you're going to have a predisposition for you know an eating disorder or disordered eating so I always think with some of these behaviours, you you are, you know, uh, playing with fire, I suppose, a little bit, you know, and you, you might be okay, but but you might not, and you won't find that out until you are already engaging in, in, in the behaviour. Yeah, and I think quite a few people listening to this probably can relate to that, feeling fine and then going on a diet, and that's when they got on a slippy slope mm. to, I guess, where they are now or the low point and they're coming up from that low point and I think actually this discussion that we were saying like it's okay for some people as in they feel fine Mm. doing that it's not leading to the disorder and they can just sort of snap out of it if they wanted to versus when sort of maybe gets a bit more serious kind of leads on to our topic of Mm. being vegan because in some ways that is putting another diet rule in that you Mm. can't eat certain foods and so I know from your um social media as well that you're vegan and I guess Mm. I was just wondering for you when did that come in was that before recovery like during or after recovery yeah so it was it was before so I've um I went sort of vegetarian at the age of was nine um it's very young um and none of my family were vegetarian so it's kind of a bit of an oddball thing to do but it was just really when I made the connection between um you know uh animals and and meat you know and that I sort of no longer felt comfortable uh you know eating meat and fish so I was already vegetarian um but yeah I went 
vegan um since the age of 2021 so it was actually just before I'd been diagnosed but when it was very obvious that there was a problem um not to me but to to the people around me um Mm. and yeah I mean it 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 didn't go down well my uh my mum cried um because she was really concerned about uh you know my health and also the um the kind of social implications because you know um I mean veganism now it's, it's a lot easier to be vegan but when I made the decision to go vegan it it wasn't as easy as it is now like restaurants didn't necessarily have options you'd have to phone often in advance to see if they could offer you something and sometimes the answer would be no <laughs> you know um I you know I remember taking my own pasta to a restaurant once because they literally couldn't serve anything so it there was uh, you yeah. know a, a lot Can of I just put in yeah of course for me those behaviors as well that this is why I spoiler alert let's just put this in quickly yeah. I was vegan and then I've decided not to be since because those behaviors just remind me of eating disorder behaviors like mm. having to obsessively check well not obsessively but I guess when it's the eating disorder it's obsessively when it's vegan it's you're checking more than obsessing but um yeah. like obsessing over a menu or having to call up in advance like just don't seem like nice things to have to do yeah I could completely understand that and it's um for me um and this is uh, you know because I I did speak about it with sort of therapists and things who were also not really on board with with it at all um for me it was that I knew um deep down that it was an ethical decision and also that it because this wasn't just kind of food I was also you know changing the um you know uh, makeup that I use the kind of um you know toiletries and things like that were also you know not containing yeah. animal ingredients and you know that that kind of stuff as well and for me it was just I felt like my eating disorder had consumed so much of my identity that I felt I discovered this kind of one thing about me that I knew was just kind of a a part of who I was um and again not the whole part obviously but I think that was what made it important to me at that time was that I felt like I know this is an ethical thing for me and um it's the one thing I feel sure about at this time um it sounds like from how you're describing it it felt quite in alignment whereas some of my clients I don't tell them to do anything we explore what would be the pros and cons of being vegan but for Mm. some of them it's more I think I should be doing this should I be doing that how is this going to affect my weight like worrying about health oh these people think I should be vegan I've watched a documentary and that says that I should rather than coming from themselves it's still very confusing in their head about what they shouldn't well feel they should and shouldn't be doing yeah, and I suppose that's that's maybe how it is different now because now I mean there are you know lots of um, you know documentaries and things like that. Not all of them very evidence based, but um, <laughs> they exist anyway. Um, and and at the time there there just weren't really you know there was I remember there was one podcast that I don't think exists anymore that was a sort of vegan focused podcast and you know there were bits and pieces on you know the vegan society website but you had to really go looking it wasn't um in your face <laughs> the way that it, it perhaps is 
is now and for me it, it just it originally came from a curiosity because I'd been vegetarian for a long time I thought like why like why do people go vegan like what like what is it about you know eggs and, and dairy so it, it and it literally just came from from that really it wasn't um it never came from all oh, this would be a sort of convenient way to carry on with disordered behaviors or it 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 was ju- literally just a, a curiosity um and you know it it didn't have a negative impact on um on my recovery but I think I, I would have had to um reconsider if it was having a negative impact on on my recovery um because you know that that is important if you you know if you're not able to take the steps you need to then you know I think that's the point where you have to think okay focus on recovery first and then see if veganism is something that you can come back to later you know um or or not yeah um yeah I would say actually with most of my clients when we've done the pros and cons which maybe we can go into a bit more Mm. um in a minute that actually most of them do come to the conclusion actually I just need less rules for the moment and less I will say difficulties because like you say there are more vegan options if you eat out but sometimes they're not and sometimes you're putting yourself in a difficult position because of that so often people do decide okay I'm going to put this on hold for like a couple of months and then we'll come back to it then because I think it is difficult when you're thinking about the animals but I think it's easy for me to say because I've changed my mind about it now but sometimes I feel like you do have to put your own mental health first and physical health first too if you just weren't doing that well on the vegan diet like feeling healthy wise yeah completely I mean because that's the thing there's a there's a huge amount of of privilege in being able to to go vegan and I don't think that's really talked about enough by by the the vegan community um I think there can be sometimes a lot of shaming around around it um you know I mean I'm you know so I've been vegan a long time but but there are you know a lot of things in the vegan community that I'm that I don't think are really helpful and I and I do think there is this kind of yeah this sort of shaming attitude you know sometimes you know like when people are no longer vegan anymore like there's a lot of backlash and that can you know, sometimes be it, you know, abusive again. And I don't think it's the majority of vegans, but certainly there are are some people that, that have that. And there is also a lot of um, pseudoscience around um, particularly the kind of health consequences of, of veganism as well. Um, you know, you hear the kind of term whole food plant-based thrown around a lot, which no one can quite agree on exactly what that is, whether plant-based means only eating vegan foods or whether it means eating mainly vegan foods you know what counts as whole like you know and what 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 doesn't um you know and and I think there's often some quite simplistic um you know sort of um statements made really about oh you know a vegan diet is necessarily healthier and you know it we we, you know we all know that eating lots of fruit and vegetables is is generally good right but you know there's there's a huge issues around people's accessibility to that kind of thing you know that the average vegan is also you know generally more you know economically privileged than sort of the average person they tend to be more physically active 
than the average person um and those are kind of just like coincidences right so so it i think you know there are sometimes quite a lot of um messaging that comes out from the uh you know the vegan community that isn't always helpful and you know it, it is at its core an ethical um movement like the you know the vegan society was founded i think 1944 and their definition i don't think the definition came until a few years later but the definition is about the ethics so i you know, I, I do have some concerns about the the kind of health messaging around it because I think that it's it's not helpful to people and I think can actually be, you know, quite harmful to people who are who are sort of in a vulnerable, um, you know, position. Yeah, I think as well. So I have been vegan twice. Um, once was when I lived abroad um when my eating disorder kind of got worse and I was being very restrictive and I'd watched a lot of documentary well not documentaries even just YouTube videos about being fruitarian Mm. and eating only fruit and do you ever get these times actually now I'm having one of them I'm like oh if the old me could hear me now (laughs) it'd be like fruitarian is the best thing like don't what are you talking about but Mm. the old me was just ignoring that actually my stomach hurt every day like I had no energy well I thought I did I always worked out but practically had no energy like I just really physically wasn't doing well but I just ignored all of those things because I think as well like uh um I don't know if rhetoric is the right word that's what I want to say you can mm. tell me if it's the right word or not um is oh it's just a detox symptom get yeah. over that it's just a detox symptom but I don't want you feeling like that every day and actually if you added a bit more variety back in maybe a bit more protein and had a bit well, I feel for me, mm. eating more balanced, actually my body feels better because of that. Um, so I think even within veganism, there's kind of these like little side bits too that are a bit extremes that people can sort of get caught up in. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's one of the things that I think actually ends up, ironically, um, often leading to people no longer being vegan anymore because there are these you know there's yeah a lot of fruitarian stuff a lot of quite like you know still vilification of like fat um you know and um yeah it can be really harmful whereas I feel like there's unfortunately like if you look at the kind of big you know vegan you know influences and things like that pretty much most of them are advocating these kinds of you know sort of really restrictive um you know lifestyles that you know are often not even affordable for most people, you know, for a start. But again, yeah, not not balanced at all. Often, you know, generally fine on the kind of carb front, but, you know, not really enough protein, not really enough dietary fat, and often just not enough food in general, you know. Um, so so I, I do think it's a problem. I mean, I think it's a, a shame that there aren't enough examples of a kind of normal balanced, you know, um, kind of, vegan way of eating um you know certainly not you know if you look at the kind of bigger influences you don't you don't see that sort of much um, there are people that are doing it um you know um there's a person on instagram who i follow called a uh, little london vegan who um i think is a fantastic example of that she shows all different kinds of foods you know mostly stuff in restaurants but also stuff sometimes that she makes at home there's nothing about kind of the like 
dietary things it's you know it's it's literally just eating in a way that she enjoys and is uh you know um you know balanced and you know plentiful and you know so so that that is possible but I think it that's rarely people's um I guess often default (laughs) when they get into veganism I feel like it's almost more common for people to end up you know like like your experience you know sort of fruitarian or you know some kind of some kind of restrictive practice unfortunately because that is so normalized within within veganism um you know what I was thinking when you were saying that was that often people will come to me because they want to have less of their focus and attention on food Mm. and to live more of their life but do you feel like if you're going vegan maybe you do need to be a bit more mindful of food in the beginning and sometimes that might be at odds with people's general overall goal to have less focus on food yeah that's a really good point yes I do think you do and and again this is also where I think that um sometimes the rhetoric from the vegan community isn't helpful it's interesting my um undergraduate uh dissertation was um focusing on uh this is when forums were a thing back in the day uh uh, vegan message boards Mm -hmm. and the the um what I, I did a I was looking at language so I did a discursive analysis which is looking at how kind of language is used and um it was I looked at the um way that people responded to health concerns and so the context of this was largely it was sort of newbie vegans saying you know do I need to take supplements what about b12 you know that what about omega-3 that that kind of stuff that are absolutely you know legitimate questions and, and great questions to be asking when you make any kind of dietary um change you know vegan or or otherwise um and pretty much the majority of the responses were just eat a range of foods don't even worry about it don't bother with supplements you know and there are a few people that you know that that were recommending that you should take you know b12 and and you know omega-3 from um like an algae source you know and things like that but but a lot was just don't even worry about it and I do feel like that that is sometimes common um, that people get that that response when they kind of have these um, valid valid questions about what they you know about supplementation um, and I think the trouble yeah. is with that is then they end up not eating in a balanced way and not making up some of the things that they might not be getting um, so do don't feel good you know um, so so I, I do think that doesn't that doesn't help um really I think it's where I would think sorry go on oh sorry I was gonna say I would think it would be even more important in eating disorder recovery whether that you've been restricting or you feel like you've been binge eating or have bulimia or just generally disordered relationship with food that's probably going to have compromised your health in the first place so you're not starting off with like the tolerance sort of in your body to be able to cope with less like you say b12 or these other things because it's already out of balance in the first place yeah exactly and often it's a bit higher in fiber as well because you're eating you know things like beans and lentils and stuff which can be harder on you know your digestive system obviously there are ways around that if you have more kind of you know um tofu and and sort of some of the kind of uh, replacement type foods but yeah and it and the trouble is i think it was it if actually there was more of a focus on just that kind of basics um and you know like particularly if someone is in eating disorder recovery and just saying you know you can 
you know, kind of eat a healthy, balanced vegan diet. But these are some of the things to think about. You know, you should be taking supplements. You know, you definitely want to be taking B12 because, you know, we don't eat, you know, fruit and vegetables from straight from the soil. Right. You know, so, um, so we, you know, we do need to supplement that and we do need the omega-3, particularly for brain health um, from an algae source because you're not, you know, having fish. Um, and I think the thing is, is actually, if you had some of those basics covered from the beginning, actually, there there wouldn't need to be such a big focus on food for as long. You know, obviously, there is going to be a process at first, you know, and, and you are going to probably have to read labels and things like that, where you get used to kind of what, what is vegan and what isn't vegan and what brands are kind of OK and, and the, the brands you have to watch out for. Um, but I feel like if there was a bit more and I, there are places that do offer that but sometimes a bit more willingness um to kind of cover those basics with people um that actually they would find they didn't have to have so much of a focus on food for as long a period of time yeah. you know which which I can completely yeah, when... see with worse than eating disorder symptoms you know yeah when Oh, sorry. <laughs> when I was talking to um, Talia in a different episode of this podcast, so she's a dietitian, mm. and she was saying that if clients say they want to be vegan, then she will support them with that. Again, she'll explore the whys and et cetera, but, um, you know, you can get professional help with that too who will support you. And, you know, if you, if you went to someone who said, oh, no, you can't be a vegan or, oh, actually, let's cut out these animal products from your diet when you didn't want to and they're kind of making mm. you go vegan then obviously there are people who are more flexible to help you with you know what you're feeling your dietary goals are the second thing that I was thinking when you were saying that about the reading labels that I well I knew but I hadn't considered by now um I think that's a big thing for a lot of people with eating disorders actually having to read labels mm. when you go in the supermarket and say so maybe that's something that you're trying to get out of but then this is meaning that you have to do it again. And so just thinking, how are you feeling about that right now? Maybe when you've had that a bit further into recovery, had that bit of a break from it, actually going back to do it won't feel as triggering. But maybe if it is now, maybe just now is not the time yeah. for being vegan right now, which doesn't mean you can never. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose one of the um, things with being vegan is is sometimes you, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, obviously you are still reading but you can sometimes do things like you can just look at like the allergy bit because obviously things like milk and egg would have to be listed as allergens so there are sometimes ways that you can sort of you know um like just focus on certain bits but yeah I can I can see completely that for some people that that would be something that you know that is kind of triggering and and I think it is really important that it is a case-by-case basis you know I think it's fantastic if there are people that do support um someone's decision to go to go vegan I I don't think it should be a case of no you can't ever be vegan um you know without at least you know trying it and then if there is a you know if it does seem to be hindering recovery then okay you revisit that um but equally I don't think it should be forced on anyone at all um so so I I do think it should be a, a case by case basis I mean mostly when I've spoken to people about it they are pretty much told they can't be vegan um you know but but I think it's great if that if that isn't the case because I you know the, the, I'm sure I'm not the only person that 
it was an ethical uh, decision and wasn't mm. hindering my recovery. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that some people say it was helpful for them. I don't know that I would say it was helpful. It was just a separate thing, I suppose, um, you know, my, in my head anyway. Um, so so I, I do think it, it, it is something that has to be treated um on an individual basis because it is is nuanced you know and and like you say it might be that you know you think it's okay at first but actually when you get into it and you are having to read labels and and things like that actually that that does trigger some things you know and that's that's completely valid I think you know you can come back to it at a at a later stage if if it's the right thing for for you to do. Yeah, I want to backtrack to what you were saying. You kind of just said it in one sentence, but of if being vegan is, I can't remember how you phrased it now, um, like another way to express the disordered behaviours. I guess one thing that I was thinking when you were saying that was just of having control over the situation and it's sort of an automatic excuse why you can't eat certain things that you wouldn't want to eat anyway that might be possibly one were you thinking anything else when you were saying that yeah I mean I do do think that is something to be really wary of and in fact not just with veganism I think with anything that um you feel you're using as a kind of or a sort of convenient way or to maintain disordered behaviors I mean I think the thing the same thing to be honest can happen with fitness I do see some people that where it's like oh I'm gonna you know kind of focus on just gaining muscle or you know so where it's kind of and there's still like this hyper focus on kind of food and exercise but it's just in a a sort of different context that is sort of seen as more kind of socially acceptable um so I definitely think that's that's something to to be wary of um I mean and I did you know for myself I did examine whether that was the case you know when I was um you know, making that decision to go vegan, I, you know, I, I try to, you know, kind of really think deep down, no, it, like, is this something I'm using as a way to, you know, to, to not eat things around me, you know, or, or not. Um, and I think for me, I realized it wasn't because I had, um, I didn't have anxiety about, uh, non-vegan foods for me I just saw it as always sounds strange but like I just didn't see it as like food do you know I, it wasn't like an, an emotional yeah. thing it was just like oh that's like not for me you know it, it whereas something like a cake like a vegan cake would have been something that I would have had a lot of anxiety around so for, for me I, I I you know I knew that was it was it was different um you know so but I, I yeah. yeah I think that makes a lot of sense so if it was like there was something in your inverted commas list of safe foods but it wasn't vegan and you ate it by accident then it's like okay that was just an accident not Mm. oh my god I've done that and I think that's a problem as well sometimes like we're trying to get away from guilt and shame around food and an eating disorder and then if you're vegan and you accidentally eat something or intentionally eat something that's not vegan so for example I'm going to put this out there because I'm sure someone listening will have done this and Mm feel awful about it but you don't have to of say people who are binge eating and so when they're eating inverted commas normally then they will eat vegan but then the binge food um is not vegan because I guess one of the things comes back to what you were saying about the price of food like non-vegan 
food is actually cheaper if you're going to have to go out and buy it to binge on so sometimes that's a consideration or sometimes it's actually that you really like those foods and you just won't let yourself have them so then like we said at the beginning you're turning to them in a binge because you're not letting yourself have those other times and so I think if you're feeling that guilt and shame around the non-vegan foods if you had them then potentially that is not very helpful yeah yeah I think that's a great point and I think I think actually the foods that you um, if, if someone is struggling with binging, the foods that you choose to binge on, I think that's that can tell you a lot actually about where you are with your mindset and the and the ideas you have around around those particular foods. And I think certainly if you're if you're binging on non-vegan foods, that for me would be an indication that definitely it's time to, you know, you know, sort of dig down into into veganism and, and is this a kind of rule-based thing and is it a case of you're telling yourself you can't have things rather than you don't want to have things you know because there's a there's a big difference there um you know and you know that's not easy um to to, to always know that but but I do think you have to you know and hopefully if you're seeing a therapist and um you know you can sort of really really explore that with them and what what is coming up for you what what are the emotions there um you know and and again you know even if a person decides that veganism you know isn't right for them you know um it might be in the future or or it might not so I I think it's you know like we sort of alluded to the you know a big part of recovery is getting away from kind of all or nothing thinking and so it doesn't mean that just because veganism isn't right for you at the moment that you can't revisit it in the future if if you want to you know um it it doesn't have to be yeah you can never be vegan ever ever again (laughs) you know yeah and speaking about the black and white thinking as well I think actually uh, oh you were talking earlier about what is plant-based that actually you don't have to be vegan in some ways like if you want to eat less meat or you want to eat less dairy products or whatever is you can do that you don't have to give yourself the label of being a vegan you can just sort of eat however you want and then it gets loads of other names doesn't it like flexitarian or I think we feel like we do have to put ourselves in these boxes but if it was like you'll eat vegan apart from I'm guessing a lot of people will be in England uh listening to this it's like your mum's Sunday roast and actually you want the Sunday roast and the gravy and the Yorkshire puddings and like the whole meal, then okay, that's fine too. Like I think people, this is what I was thinking earlier actually, um, when I was vegan, I went to some meetups and then my little area of the table, we were all sort of like, oh, occasionally things that aren't vegan. I don't know if I'm allowed to be here, but, um, and then we were all like, oh, we all do. And so everyone thought everyone else was going to be horrible to them but actually everyone was like oh yeah when I went to my grandma's house she gave me like a tuna sandwich and I just couldn't say no to my grandma so I had it and that's okay too yeah and I think it's about it's about making the choice that's that's right for you I mean you know and with me like it's not I don't have any attachment particularly to the label I use that because it's a lot more convenient than me saying I don't eat you know eggs dairy honey meat or fish and I don't use any products that contain or have been tested on animals you know it that I don't you know it for me that's not um 
vegan is just a, a convenient descriptor for for my lifestyle. And I, and I, in fact, I think um, that actually can be another um, indicator is if you are really attached to veganism as a label, I think that can also be potentially a, a problem, right? Because what what is it about a label that is attractive? Is it because you think that that label means you're good you know so so I think that's also worth worth exploring how you actually feel about it and if you do see it as a label versus just just a descriptor for for how how you choose to you know to live your life really um you know um and yeah yeah I, you know I think it's being being honest with your with yourself really um about yeah about what you want to do and I think you know for 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 me with with kind of foods that aren't vegan again it's not a case of oh I really want it but I can't it's like I can I just don't want to like that's you know there's a there's a difference you know for, for me veganism is living my life in alignment with my personal principles right it's not but and it's not um it's not anything more than that, you know, in a, in a perfect world, of course, I would love everyone to be vegan, right? But we don't live in a perfect world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So but I just see it as like, I'm able to be vegan. And for me, that just feels in alignment for, for me, it doesn't, you know, cause me any negative um, consequences, you know, phys- physically or mentally. And that's a hugely privileged position to, to be in, you know, um, and I think it's, you know, if a person doesn't feel that they can be vegan for mental or physical health reasons, then I think vegans have to be kinder to, to those people. And I think those people should be kinder to themselves as well, because nobody is perfect at all. You know, I certainly don't think because I'm vegan, that I'm better than other people. There are many areas of my life where I am not perfect you know and not always the most ethical either I mean I could certainly do better in terms of um you know sustainably shopping and things like that you know I try and minimize fast fashion but I'm by no means perfect in that regard at all so you know I feel like if you tried to be perfect though you literally just couldn't do anything it's so paralyzing to try and have all these pressures like use less plastic and then especially during lockdown it was like everything's in plastic I just need to buy something like absolutely absolutely and I think you know I I think that is really something to you know hopefully a part of anyone's recovery is working on that you know kind of perfectionistic tendency which you know I mean sure you know more than me in terms of the people you work with but seems to be a a sort of fairly common characteristic of, of most eating disorders so I think that is really important to you know to kind of address and and just seeing things in the kind of the big picture you know um that it's not really a kind of individual decision that you know is a kind of make or break it's the the sum the sum total I think yeah I think everyone is just doing the best they can because now I'm thinking like if we had all these concerns obviously people do care about the environment but it's like you can have this this is just an example this vegan product in plastic or this non-vegan product not in plastic and then you're like oh my god what are my values like yeah it's the most important and you can just wrap yourself up so much that sometimes you just have to make a choice and that's the choice maybe next week you'll make a different choice or the same choice but it's sort of 
being okay with that. Um, just in terms of choices as well, um, mm. I know you listed honey um, in the list of things that you don't have. Mm. For me, that was always something that I was flexible on. So I'm wondering how you do it with intuitive eating. For example, say you go out to brunch yeah. and you're like, oh, I really fancy granola this morning, but then the granola has honey. Mm-hmm. And so then you can't have that. Like, how would you navigate that situation? Yeah, so for me, um, I I guess I always look first at like, what would be vegan before I would like anyway like look at the options so um okay yeah so I guess maybe that's just how yeah how I um would approach it but I guess if if I thought something was vegan uh and I started reading oh this sounds nice and then it had honey in for me it would be like oh okay like it but it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a big deal to me but there would be no it wouldn't be a part of me that would think oh I really want to eat that it would just be like if yeah like if I was reading something and I didn't like it like for example I I don't like mint I really dislike mint so if I was reading a list of ingredients and then suddenly I found there was mint in it I'd be like oh that's a shame never mind I'll have something that doesn't have mint in so it it, it, it kind of wouldn't wouldn't be a big a big deal for me um I suppose you know I suppose I can see how maybe for some people that it might be like oh I really want to eat that but you know I can't because of this I think it comes but, back to what we were saying about the rules if you've just made it a rule for yourself yeah it feels harder not to do that rule if that's mm. what you want to do and then you get in that conflict again rather than like you say if you just made it as okay I just don't eat these things that's kind of a bit different mentality towards it and it's not got that conflict coming up for you it's just that's the decision made yeah when you realize it's got that ingredient in absolutely because that's the thing with intuitive eating you know I mean there are you know there are kind of there are 10 principles of it but you know a, a big part of it is really just eating in a way that is you know enjoyable to you um and you know that that kind of you know honors what feels good for you you know and for me eating in a way that is kind of in alignment with my ethics feels good for me that doesn't mean that it feels good for for anyone else you know and like you said it's getting away from that idea of like you know good or bad or I can and I can't and it's about actually I can do whatever I want (laughs) what do I want what does feel good to me mentally and you know and physically um you know and and certainly you know intuitive eating can be you know compatible with with eating you know in a vegan way the same way it can be you know if you are celiac and you need to eat a gluten-free you know um diet but it's I guess it's about kind of why you're you know why you're doing it you know um and and for me for example there are choices I make um you know see within within veganism based on kind of intuition so for me for example I don't feel great eating loads of fiber so I don't eat loads of beans lentils and chickpeas I eat some but just not loads because otherwise I get a stomach ache and it just doesn't feel good. So for me, I make a decision. Oh, actually, you know, if I'm going for an option, I'll probably choose something more like tofu or tempeh or seitan or, you know, a corn thing, you know, something that's sort of different. So there are, you know, there are decisions I make based on, you know, what I know feels good for me kind of within veganism, you know, uh, same way, you know, like I said, I don't like mint, right? So even if it's vegan and it's got mint in, like, it's not for me, you know, so, so it's yeah. possible to do the two. And in fact, I just wanted to mention, um, there is an Instagram account, uh, that I believe she's a dietitian called um, Taylor 
Wolfram. I'll send you the link afterwards. But she is a okay. dietitian who practices from a kind of intuitive eating framework and is also vegan. Uh, she doesn't only work with vegans, I don't think, but she has particular kind of expertise in people who are vegan and are more interested in learning about intuitive eating and bringing the two together, I suppose. So she's a, a really useful resource. Oh, thank you. Okay, I'll look into that. Um, do we have any more questions, any more things about being vegan? Oh, I suppose maybe just, I was thinking earlier when you were saying about the identity mm. as a vegan, I think it is easy to fall into this as my identity because it's like there's other people, like you develop a community around being vegan. Mm -hmm. And also it is kind of a mindset shift because I know I went to um, like an event it was like a pizza shop opening in Sheffield like I got invited when I had my blog mm. and um, they were like sort of showcasing their vegan menu as well and then someone there that I was talking to was like oh I was vegan for like 15 years and now I'm not I just remember thinking how can you not be mm. like how could you change your mind about it like it's really strange at the time um, but then like I say, I changed my mind and that was quite difficult for me because I had a blog that had won an award for being like a vegan blog. Mm. And it's like, oh, how could I just change that ab about me? But for me, the decision was more about being able to be flexible. So I do eat mostly vegan foods or plant-based, but I now feel like for my mental health and also if I'm talking to clients, for me, it was that I'm talking to clients about being flexible. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it was still like vegan was kind of like some rules. Yeah. And so I think I'm getting a bit more flexible around those things because I think my value now is flexibility because that's what I'm kind of preaching. Yeah. So I felt like, oh, there was some kind of jar in me of like, you're preaching flexibility, but you're still having these rules. Mm. And that didn't quite fit. So then yeah. I was like, actually, do you know what? I am going to eat some and... I don't know maybe I'll change my mind in the future maybe I won't I keep telling my husband not to eat so much beef but he's not listening to me so. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah the people who live with always the hardest to change, right yeah well I think that's the thing right and I think that's the thing if veganism feels like a rule for you then that probably is an indication that maybe it's not healthy for you either ever or at least right now you know for me um it doesn't feel like a rule I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. I just choose to eat this particular way. It's not a case of I'm telling myself I can't. It's that kind of just genuinely yeah. don't want to and no, you know, not an emotional at attachment there, I think, to it. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't work. Um, I mean, I work largely around fitness and a bit around people's, you know, um, relationships and things with, with food and, and, you know, getting rid of any diety rules and stuff. I don't, you know, exclusively work with, um, you know vegans either um so I work with people that have you know all different kinds of um you know uh you know dietary choices it's about you know helping people get in touch with what feels good for them and you know if they're eating in a vegan way then within veganism and if they're not then within the, the way that they're currently eating again I'm not a dietitian so I'm not making kind of specific yeah. food recommendations either way you know that's kind of like for me anyway outside my my scope yeah, I have a lot of respect for you and I have a lot of respect for um the the girl that you suggest or lady that you suggested um like Taylor because I think that was for me as well it was like oh I'm giving people examples of protein foods so like like eggs and meat and stuff and it was like oh I can't recommend them though if I disagree with them mm. like for me 
I just was like, I can't do that. It's like cognitive dissonance, isn't it? You can't do, <laughs> can't do that. And so I think that's why I had to change. Well, I didn't have to, obviously. That's why I chose to change my mind about it. Yeah. And I can see also, like, if you're working with people that have, you know, that are in recovery from eating disorders, and that does require a slightly more prescriptive approach. You know, I, I don't work with people that have active eating disorders. I certainly have worked with people who have um, previously had them and, and have recovered. So um, I suppose in a way that, you know, I, I am working, I guess, with a slightly different population where I'm not having to make any prescriptive nutrition um, requirement. I mean, there are there is some emerging research around kind of intuitive eating and uh, eating disorder recovery. It's very much kind of in its infancy. Um, so there, there are some some, I think, interesting areas there to explore, because typically I think a lot of, you know, people that see dietitians during eating disorder recovery it's not an intuitive eating framework typically that they're that they're working within um so so there are things there but yeah for, for me the the work I do with with clients again it's it's more about helping them get in touch with yeah what feels good for them um eating a range of foods um you know not having food linked to exercise because I think that's quite common for people that actually they have certain rules about what's okay to eat on a day when they have exercise versus a day that is a rest day you know so so trying to you know um address all of those you know those those kind of pieces with people so that people do have the kind of freedom and and flexibility to make decisions about food and exercise you know without me (laughs) you know that they can make make that of their their own kind of you know steam really um I think, you know, yeah. this should be the goal of okay. eating disorder recovery as well, right? You get to a point where you make a decision. And I guess, you know, with coming back to veganism, you should be in a position where you can make that decision, you know, for, for yourself, right? And not based on a kind of external pressures. It's like, it does it feel right for you at that current, you know, at the current moment? Yeah. And so what would you say to someone who was working with you and said that they just want to eat normally? Um, I guess digging digging a lot deeper into kind of what that means. Because um, I often find when people say they want to eat normally or they want to eat healthily, that actually that often means still eating in quite a restrictive way. So I dig down into kind of what what they kind of think that means. Does that mean cutting out you know quote-unquote junk foods um you know what, what does that kind of mean mean for them um obviously you know we uh, you know kind of want want them to feel in a good place with their eating but I think it would be exploring what what is their idea of kind of what is normal and you know talking about all the different ways that eating can look right I mean because you know everyone is different everyone needs different amounts of food everyone has different preferences for like how often they like to eat you know some people three big meals works great other people you know are sort of little and often kind of people you know um so so there are so many different ways of eating that can all be you know quote unquote normal there's that um wonderful quote and I think it might be an Ellen Satter quote um about normal eating I don't know if you've ever Read it with uh, yeah I put that in episode one. Oh, fantastic <laughs> okay to go back and listen to it I just basically read the definition Brilliant. and then explored it a little bit yeah perfect yeah so so for me I think one of the you know I wouldn't know it off by heart so that's um that's great that you've got it there but um yeah I think that's a brilliant illustration of how 
different eating can look for different people and yet still work for them and you know a lot of this kind of the process of you know either eating disorder recovery or even you know afterwards if you're exploring things like intuitive eating or just generally is is just investigating you know like what you know what does feel good for your body like what foods feel good what what doesn't how often do you like to eat and that might change over time as well maybe as your activity levels change or you know with with aging that that could that could change as well I've heard certainly people you know um talk around like the menopause sometimes that um that's different you know for them in terms of their their needs and you know I think um one of the things that we've I guess talked about quite a lot is just this idea of flexibility and I think that is really important um and I think whatever you're doing at the moment I think it's good to be you know flexible about making a change um in the future you know if, if I don't think you should feel tied to any any one thing I mean and again you know I guess focused on veganism for me I can't imagine not being vegan in the future because that does feel very in alignment and it's been 13 years now so you know I'm, I'm very used to it I can't imagine mm-hmm. not doing it but you know if if there was a situation in the future and I you know whatever like you know you know I again I can't it's hard for me to imagine that but that would be, that would be a, a maybe if you were pregnant but, and we were craving meat <laughs> yeah maybe yeah yeah I mean yeah I um <laughs> I don't want children but yeah maybe like I mean there are, you know you, life is unpredictable so you don't you know you don't always know w- what is going to happen and I think um you know if you're in a place where you feel really tied to what you're doing and you feel very anxious and about doing things differently as opposed to perhaps curious or indifferent then I think that's a an indication to you know dig dig a bit deeper and find out what's what's going on there because I think you know eating and exercise should be something that enhance your life in a positive way you know mentally physically socially all of those things and if it's not then you know um that's that's okay like it's not you know (laughs) you're not broken but but it's just worth um doing some digging and you know and, and exploring what what might need to need to change okay thank you so much you're welcome Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode interesting and insightful and it's given you some food for thought in your eating disorder recovery and just remember that you can find me online on social media at rachel.evans.phd and you can find my contact details in the show notes. You can also find details of today's guest in the show notes and where to find more about them and their work so go ahead and give them a follow and if you like this podcast episode and you found it helpful then please subscribe so we can connect later and I can catch you in the next episode okay bye for now